The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 98 for April 3rd, 2007. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to the uh, to the show. Uh, you know me, I'm Dave, and he's John. We're here to talk about all kinds of things this week. Uh, we have far more than uh, than we'll have time for, but that's good because, uh, you know, it means that we're sure to be back next week. We are a day late. Uh, I had a uh, scheduling conflict, so here we are. Hi, John. Hi, Dave. <laughs> you, you were just waiting for me to stop blathering, weren't you? Mm, pretty much. Yeah. So we had a we had April Fool's Day, and you know, I I, I was just amazed that the the amazing coordinated April Fool's joke about there being a, a major music store offering DRM free music. I just thought that was <laughs> the, the most incredible thing to see everybody chip in and and contribute to that because yeah, I mean that that only happens in Bizarro World. But... Like it it was crazy, man. Because I, you know, I I don't always check my email at the house when I when I get up in the morning, you know, usually I, I wait till I get to the office, but Monday morning, for whatever reason, I check my email and, uh, Dave Parmet, our, our, uh, PR guru had asked me, he said, do you have, you know, he sent me the links to all the stories that were happening about this thing. This is like 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. Eastern, right? So we're an hour away from the press conference. And he says, do you have anybody that can comment on this? Cause you know, he tries to get us coverage. And, uh, so I started looking like, oh boy, uh, yeah. And I, Went to Lisa and said, you know, uh, you, you got to get the kids to school. They're, you know, the kids fed and on the bus because I, I got this thing going on. And this press conference is happening in like 45 minutes and no one knows. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, I woke everybody up and, well, Jeff was already at his desk, you know, Jeff Gamut. And uh, and we got it going and we did the live coverage of the thing. But here, here was what was interesting. We did, uh, and this actually leads right into our first tip here, John. And you didn't even know that, or maybe you did. Mm -hmm. Um. So I, I was able to get the, the live audio stream. It was just an audio stream of the, the thing. And it happened, of course, at 8 a.m. Eastern on Monday because it was 1 p.m. Uh, London time, I believe. Paris time, England time. I don't know. Wherever wherever it was, it was 1 o'clock. EMI. 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 It was 1 o'clock EMI time. There you go. Perfect. <clears throat> so uh, it's irrelevant. So I got the stream going, and Jeff and I were, were IMing back and forth on iChat trying to coordinate things. And I said, okay, I'll do the live coverage. You do this stuff. And, and he says, oh, nuts, I just lost my stream. And he said, he can't get it back again. The servers must be too full. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. I've got Audio Hijack Pro, and we've got an iChat connection. And so with Audio Hijack Pro, I hijacked my Safari audio, which is where the, the live stream was playing. And then I routed that to Soundflower via auxiliary uh, device output, right? So I, I created an effect. I, I, I didn't even mute it because I wanted to hear it. But I created an effect. I, hi, I hijacked Safari, routed it via an effect to audio, uh, to auxiliary device output to Soundflower 2 channel. And then in iChat, I went and set my incoming audio instead of from my microphone to Soundflower 2 channel. So that effectively created a, a, a direct link between the two. And then I fired up uh, an audio iChat with Jeff. And sure enough, he was able to hear the stream. Now, I was hearing him clicking, so I just, you know, took the little volume slider and slid it down to the left, and uh, and away we went. And it was great for the hour. You know, no problem, and uh, and everything was cool. So I, I was actually really, really proud of myself that with about, you know, three minutes of being able to think about it without uh, without it being too late in the day, I uh, we came we came together with all that. So there you go. That's the... Uh, nice. Now, uh, just one thing. Soundflower 
Yeah. I think I've, I've, I've never had an occasion to use it, but to me it sounds like... You're a, using it right now, believe it or not. Well, I, you're, okay. you're, 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 you're benefiting from it right now. Yeah. Okay. What, what I'm sound... using it through your console, but, but it's a, some sort of audio driver that gives you additional capabilities that you normally don't get in your Mac, I guess, a sound control panel. What it, what it does is Soundflower like allows you to create a virtual, or it, it is a virtual audio device. So normally, you can only route sound out to physical devices, speakers, earphones, you know, whatever. It could be USB-based, or it could be just, you know, through the audio output jack on your Mac or built-in speakers if you're on a laptop. But those are your options for, for routing audio out. And the same goes for in. It has to be a physical device, the, in, uh, the internal microphone, the line in, you know, some sort of USB mic, a FireWire device, something, right? What Soundflower lets you do is just what I did. It, it creates a device inside your Mac that you can point things to and from without actually having to send them out. So I took the audio from Safari and routed it, routed it out to Soundflower. So now Soundflower is this, you know, device which registers itself as incoming and outgoing audio. And so it was collecting the audio from Safari because Audio Hijack Pro told it to. And then I was able to grab iChat and tell it to take that audio as an input into its, you know, outgoing. Uh, or okay. Yeah. So. Okay. So it sounds like a digital sound router. Bingo. Of sorts. That, that is a, okay. a perfect. Uh, yes. And it comes with Audio Hijack Pro. Uh, though I believe you can get it separately. In fact, I'm sure you can get it separately. Excellent. Yeah. Wow. I don't think we ever started with a tangent, but that, that was a good one because I was curious about that. Yeah. I've seen it, but I've never used it. Yeah. So. Now we, and we use it now and I won't go into the details, but it effectively allows me to route things the way I want to, to make the podcast uh, doable the way I want to do it. So now talking about unconventional ways of routing data, we'll mm. let Daniel take it. Hey, John and Dave, this is Daniel from the Friday cast. I just wanted to send in a comment about a comment you guys got on a previous show. There was someone trying to uh, set up a network and uh, he didn't want to drill through walls and stuff like that. So, you know, there is one more alternative and that's ethernet power line adapters. I know uh, Netgear, Linksys and Gateway, I think I'll make them. But what's really neat about these is that you just plug them into the electrical electrical outlet in the wall and it, it does it all right there. You don't have to string cables throughout the house. And um you can and and then you you just plug it into the wall near your computer and then have the Ethernet cable go from it into the computer and you have a whole network right there without uh wireless problems or wired problems. Anyway, great show. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, so Daniel is absolutely right. This uh this stuff can can work and the new uh the the new round of it which uses what uh, the Home Plug AV, I believe is what it is. Um will do well they say it'll do up to 200 megabits a second. Really it does about 100, maybe a little less, but that's you know, certainly more than you're going to get mm -hmm. with most wireless networks. I won't say all. Um but certainly more than you'll get with 802.11g. And, uh, it, you know, so it seems to me like that that would actually be a great way of if you've got, you know, a wireless router in one corner of your house and you want to broadcast from another corner, you set one of these things up 
and then bridge it with the the remote router and you're good to go but it's not cheap yep. it's about it's about 100 bucks a piece and of course you need two of yep. these devices to make it work so that you know it, it's it i mean it's not horribly prohibitive but 200 bucks to you know it's cheaper than drilling through the walls <laughs> yeah so um well no it depends so so if you uh, i had a couple of thoughts Cheap, One, cheaper than paying a guy to drill through the walls Go yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no i heard in the early days that some of these and, and maybe it doesn't apply because you know i'm not an electrician but but i thought some of these had issues depending on how you had your uh electrical network wired where you had you know the source and branches and hmm. and all that fun stuff i guess what what this leads to is a and and this is what I recall from early products. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, I looked on, online and it seemed nobody had a, an issue, but then I would question how far did these go? I mean, if it's going to, especially, I mean, if you have a house, you, you pretty much know where it goes, or right. do you? Yeah. Um, but especially if you're in a condo or apartment or something like that, you may be sharing electrical networks with a few other people. So to me, that would be just a wonderful uh, opportunity to, you know, ruin somebody's life <laughs> that's a good point you know i hadn't thought about that that yeah, where where does it go i mean yeah because if if you hook up a generator incorrectly like i.e you don't put a disconnect box in right and you just plug a generator into your you know to one of your outlets and that'll actually work right and if you've got no power coming in from the outside it, it will you know distribute power power goes both directions no problem but the reason the electric company doesn't want you doing that, the reason they insist that you put a disconnect box in is in case that poor guy is out there working on the line and doesn't mm -hmm. expect there to be power coming from your house. Uh, if you don't have that disconnect box, mm -hmm. there could be, and it you know it could cause some great, uh, certainly great surprise and potentially great harm. So given that as their concern, power certainly travels in both directions. There's no you know mm -hmm. one way switch. I don't know. I don't know what kind of filters they put out there that might, you know, disrupt this Ethernet over power signal to the point where it, it's no longer valuable. I don't know. That's a good question, though. It makes you want to, you know, worry about security. And I, I know these things do QoS yep. uh, to to ensure consistent bandwidth. But do they do any sort of uh, any sort of security between the two? Well, of I have them? seen some of them. Uh, from what I could read, just doing some quick research, they have something very similar to your wireless space station. Um, okay. You know, for example, if you own a Linksys wireless space station, you probably should change the name from Linksys. Linksys. And the password <laughs> from password, or admin, I guess. is Admin, yeah. yep. Yeah. And a blank password, I think, on, on some models was the default. So, right. uh, so that's what they recommended. You know, just change the name. I mean, it, it you know, if somebody's determined, they'll get you. But yeah, it, it is. It, it keeps, I'm and especially power line, I think that's pretty rare. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So the the Netgear HDX 101, which is one of these devices, I'm looking at the specs here, and it it does say that they all use encrypted security. So presumably, you know, it doesn't. Nice. Yeah. Let's hope. Our sponsor for this show is Audible. Uh, happy to have them on board. Audible is offering all listeners of the Mac Geek Cab uh, a two-week free trial of their Audible Listener Gold and one free audiobook download, but you have to click the link in the show notes. It's the only way you get access to that deal. Audible, of course, is, integrates with iTunes. It's compatible with just about every portable audio device, though, of course, there are some that uh, it doesn't work with, but your iPod, certainly, and, and all the major ones out there, it'll work with. Audible has over 35,000 audiobooks to choose from. Uh, you can listen just like you can to, to this show. And uh, 
And again, you get a free audiobook when you sign up through the Mac Geek Gab special link. Some of the books that they have, I Was, uh, How I Invented the Personal Computer and Had Fun Along the Way, which, of course, by Steve Wozniak, Stephen Levy's The Perfect Thing, How the iPod Shuffles Commerce, Culture, and Coolness, and the Icon book about Steve Jobs, the second greatest, uh, the greatest second act in the history of business. So, uh, Audible uh, at audible.com, but click the show notes, click the link in the show notes to get that one free download and, uh, and try it out. And with that... Wow, that was the uh, Steve trifecta, I think. I did do the I did do the Steve trifecta. I didn't even realize that. I was actually picking at random from this list here. <laughs> you gotta love it, <laughs> Louie. Take it away. Hi, John. Hi, Dave. It's Louie from Madison. Say on your collaboration piece, another simple way I think, if the user is willing to use it, I think Google Docs is a great way to collaborate and share in real time a spreadsheet or a word processing document. In fact, I just was teaching a class, and I had all the students go into a word processing document and add things at the same time, and it was it was really kind of neat. So that's another possibility. They could be updating the spreadsheet and always have the latest updates that way as well. Thanks. I'm so glad this comment came in because last night at band rehearsal, we were talking about somebody said, and I'd been thinking about it, but didn't want to be the one to constantly bring up, you know, issues because, you know, the squeaky wheel sometimes doesn't get the gig. Um, mm. And I really like this band. So, you know, but, I, but you know, I'm me, so I can't keep my mouth shut too long. And somebody just mm. cracked the egg and said, we really need a place to keep our, our calendar, not our, our gig calendar, but our personal calendar. So we know that if, you know, one guy's going to be away one week, well, you know, if I'm thinking of going away, I might as well just go away because, you know, I, I know it's not going to interfere with any of our gigs. And uh, so we actually, I set it up today using Google Calendar, which is the same sort of thing. It's a collaborative calendar. Um, and you can make it p private or public or whatever you want. This one happens to be private because no one else needs to know when we're all going to be on vacation. But there you go. So, uh, and then tonight, you and I started experimenting with the, the Google Docs thing. Yes. Now, what made me sad was... Uh, when you go there, it says Safari support for Google Docs is coming soon. Though it seems to work, which is weird. Maybe it just chomps not, processor. Not entirely. No, there was some things I was trying to do that didn't work. Okay, but they say Firefox, SeaMonkey, or uh, Camino for now, but I'm sure Google okay. being the good folks they are will fix it. But yeah, you and I are trying this. So I guess through the magic of uh, Ajax and uh, and all that, yeah. we're basically able to collaborate on a document and bold it and type in new stuff. It took a while sometimes unless you explicitly published it. Right, right. But uh, you invite people to share and you can do things. So that, you know, that, I think that's pretty impressive, you know, now that you have bandwidth that can handle that sort of thing. That's right. You know, speaking of bandwidth, last week when we went to upload uh, the show afterwards, normally it goes up, you know, I've got 768K upstream here and that's how fast it goes, minus whatever our Skype traffic takes when we're chit-chatting after the show. And uh, last week I noticed it went up at, you know, 3,000 kbps. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so this Comcast, Comcast has this power boost thing and where it speeds up your downloads sometimes, and now it started speeding up our uploads, which is great. Huh. I'll take it, yeah. So Sounds like someone someone's learning how to configure a router. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, it was good, and good it's been <laughs> no, it's been it's been that way through. And they, I actually looked. I didn't know it was coming, but I I looked online, and there was an announcement saying, "Yeah, it's coming soon." So that's good. It's here already. We'll take it. So 
you know, before I said, when I sent that thing to Jeff, I took my iChat volume slider in the audio chat and set it down all the way to the left. Because I didn't want to hear Jeff clicking and clacking on his keyboard while he was uh, covering this thing. And then a couple hours later, my brother uh, iChatted me for a video chat. And I started up the video chat, and he couldn't hear me, but I could hear him. Mm-hmm. And it hit me, like, wait a minute, I muted my sound before. I set the volume slider all the way down when I was on the chat with Jeff, so I, I just got to, uh, you know, set that back right. But there was no way to do it. When you're in a video chat, iChat's volume slider doesn't exist. At least I couldn't find it. So I had to cancel the video chat with my brother, start an audio chat with him, bring up the window, see the volume slider, drag it all the way to the right, and then I was able to do it again. Couldn't you mess around in the uh, sound preferences or no? No, it's not sound preferences. It was iChat's preferences. Oh, maybe it was sound preferences. No, it wasn't. No, because I could hear sound from everything else. It okay. was just yeah. I'm, it was just iChat. Sound. I'm just yeah. suggesting. Yeah, there may have been a slider there because I know it. You know, output and input can be controlled from the yeah. Uh, no, I no. Sound I was, preferences if I you could, have a driver. So yeah, no. It, it, oh yeah, no. Wow, oh, that's a good point. No, just it was no because I could hear other things. Yeah, he yo he <laughs> could hear me is what it was. Sorry, he could hear me, but I couldn't hear him. So it was app specific. Okay. It was app specific. Yeah, and there didn't seem to be a way to do it without opening up an audio chat window, which was mm-hmm. I thought kind of. An oversight, if you. Uh... So, for those of you that uh, didn't know the folks at Apple, you can uh, you can tell them on our behalf. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, on your behalf, maybe. On my behalf, that's right. This is very important to me because you know this happens once every what ten years. So. Uh, Safaris writes, uh, on your last podcast, you mentioned that iTunes doesn't have functions to control updates per podcast, and actually it does. You can set global preferences, i.e. keep last five or keep all unplayed, but if you control click an, indiv- an individual podcast subscription, you can say do not auto-delete, which means you can preserve for posterity all the episodes of that podcast, which of course is something I'm sure all of you do with this one. Uh and he's right that that there so there is that that lone podcast specific control but i still use castaway so it uh it manages all that for me so they're they're sneaking which is apple like they they sneak in features here and there but never totally crush the shareware vendors at least usually not that's right <laughs> unless there's a major os update which is coming that's right yeah that's uh, right okay <laughs> Uh, so I'm just going to blather a little bit more because I had all these cool things happen this week. Blather on, brother. Yeah. So uh, I've been having this issue on my computer, and some of you had written in about it, where um, GoDaddy.com would not load and uh, in Safari, but it would work in any other browser, and it worked on some of my mm-hmm. other computers, too, but it wouldn't work consistently on my MacBook Pro. And again, I'd heard from some of you about this. And- couldn't figure it out, and I talked actually talked to GoDaddy, and and they're, they got some of their techs on the phone, and they were very helpful, but you know I couldn't figure it out, and it wasn't, and it was as I would enter their secure site, so I could load their homepage fine, right, but I couldn't load uh, once I logged mm. in, I couldn't see anything, because they're doing a HTTPS right. connection, that's which right, which does SSL, which leads to what you're going to talk about. Yeah, but but I checked other sites, like my banking sites that are all secure using the HTTPS connections, and they were all fine. And uh, okay. 
And so, you know, I was tearing my hair out. And so I, uh, I wrote Scott Barman, who, uh, you know, is our, our white hat hacker, as he prefers to be called. And, uh, and explained the situation to him and said, you know, man, I, I, I know you might not have time, but if you do, you know, the geek could use help because uh, it was driving me crazy. And so he did. He gave me all these things to try, but it, it, so a lot of them were, you know, destructive. Delete your preferences and delete this and delete that and clean out your keychains and maybe there's a certificate mm-hmm. that's bad and all this stuff. And I thought, okay, well, now to, go ahead. To, to just level set here, though, though yep. what, what was happening is I think you were going to a secure site and what secure sites do is they check this thing called a certificate. And in this case, the certificate was from GoDaddy, correct? It would have been. That's right. Yeah. Okay, and certificates are a mechanism underneath the covers where you usually don't have to worry about it at all, where you connect to what we talked about before, the HTTPS site. There's something called a certificate that uh, secures the connection, but the thing is, depending on who gives it to you and how they process it, I guess you could call it signing, that could cause some... So so one thing... Not too much more detail, but just just, just to pull back here. No, this is good. We're talking about a certificate, which is... Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't want to get into the public-private key thing, but but suffice to say, the Safari and the browser know about all the major people that issue these things called certificates, which right. are used to help secure the connection. Now, uh, what you're going to get to, I think, is is where there was a little uh, misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually a good way of saying it. Yeah. So this certificate, when your computer first accepts the certificate, there's a negotiation that happens, and you confirm that the certificate is good. And yes, it's trustable because it's coming from a trusted source or you as the user say, yes, it's trusted. But this particular certificate, like a lot of the ones that you use, actually just came right on your Mac. It's it's installed with with OS 10 and and it's right there by default. And and Apple has basically said, yeah, you should you know trust this certificate, which is fine. It, it, so they're it's from good. the people who issue certificates, give this information to Apple saying, OK, you know, we, we'd like it, and, and other people who make browsers. They yeah, say, Firefox like manages its own, right. Yeah, and they just give this out publicly because that, that's part of the protocol. And uh, if it's not in the browser, then the browser is going to say, I don't know who this is. That's right. So okay. GoDaddy, and, and we looked at this, is one of the people that's listed in Safari. That's right. Least. Yeah, well, in the system keychain, right? Because this is impacted more than Safari, so I realized. Uh, so one of the things Scott said is, Go into your keychain access, go to the preferences, and go to the certificates tab and check to see if any of the uh, uh, certificate validation protocols are, are, are enabled. He's, and he says, if they are, turn them off. Now, by default, they're turned off. But now there's two of them. One's called o- Online Certificate Status Protocol, or OCSP, and mm-hmm. Certificate Revocation List, CRL. CRL is older than OCSP, uh, at least in implementation, if not an idea, mm-hmm. and someone's going to correct me on that if I'm wrong, but I think I'm right. Um, but OS right. 10 ships, okay, OS 10 ships with both of them this disabled, and the way I understand it, that's how it should be because uh, it's up to the certificate when you receive it to authenticate itself and convince your computer, either via you or via some automatic way, that yes, it's a trusted certificate. What these two things do is check your trusted certificates, or previously trusted certificates, against some sort of online database, the Certificate Authorities database, to make sure that it hasn't been changed or revoked or disabled or anything like that. Apparently, 
GoDaddy's certificate authority does not support the OCSP protocol. And if OCSP is on Safari, Mac OS X, uh, which is the, what Safari uses, it doesn't do it internally. It uses system services to do this. Mac OS X goes out and says, is this certificate valid? And it waits for an answer and waits and waits and waits until it finally times out. And that's it. So that's what was happening. I turned it off and instantly everything was better. In addition to Safari, it was also faster for me sending mail with, uh, with, with essentially signed email certificates that I have. And, and presumably for the same reason, it, 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 OCSP was delaying this process. It wasn't stopping it like it was with, uh, with Safari, but it was certainly delaying it. And by turning that off, it was instantly, uh, you know, much, much orders of magnitude faster there as well. So unless you have specific reason to have them turned on, they should be off. And if you're having trouble connecting to secure sites, check that preference. So that's the lesson that I learned. Ooh, that pegged the geek meter. Yes, I did. And I worked with that too. Actually, and you sent me when we were uh, Mm. trying to debug this, you sent me an email and had an attachment that had your certificate. Now, of course, I'm using Eudora, which I still like and i've been using for 10 plus years what happened is when the email came in it didn't say anything specifically it showed me the file attachment i'm like oh i know what that is i think it was a p7s right p7s which is pkcs7 uh which is a a protocol uh much like the certs i think are pkcs11 okay so if you look up those uh public key Uh, it's a standard there's a couple of them there's pkcs11 pkcs7 they're they're standards for how to deal with crypto information including uh certs but when i clicked on the file mac os 10 is smart enough and it's and it started up the uh, keychain saying oh this is dave hamilton hamilton certificate would you do you trust it and Uh, of course i said no because i said yes (laughs) sorry a little slip there of course i said yes because i trusted it and because it was signed by was that a GoDaddy one? I guess it was. No, no, um, that was from Thoughty. Yeah, or Thought or okay. whatever they are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. T and then a W. What? So, anyways, yeah, because it was signed by somebody that is known already to the uh, the Mac OS. Right. Said, okay, cool. Just you know, tell me to import that so I have your cert now. Uh, from what you told me though, uh, mail automatically verifies the signature i don't know does it, it say it in like a status bar or something it, if you it does yeah it, it, you, you got from subject to uh, date and then there's another line that appears that says signed and then of course mm-hmm. if you had mail now that you have my cert you could send mm-hmm. me encrypted mail um because you, you know how my public key and which then it is would, what a cert is which right is a public it, it, key that's exactly signed right. yep by someone else's private key right mm. so there you go about that one yep excellent notes does that too i notice uh okay. know, in the workplace i use notes and notes has notes can for the most part import certs as well so if you get a message from somebody and they choose to sign that the problem is then you have this issue of cross authority signatures and so when we get mail from people who are in other notes domains it gets all confused but anyways yep. moving right along yeah, uh, I think we're going to jump to our uh, our questions here because we've we've got some good ones, and I didn't want to let these go, uh, even though well, mm-hmm. here it is. Paul, take it away. Hey, John, Dave. This is Paul Michaels from Wichita, Kansas, and I've been a fan of you guys for a long time. Watching probably about half your episodes, I've downloaded the rest, and great job, guys. Good job. And I've I've come interested in one of the topics you guys have been going over, 
it is the uh, VPN stuff that you guys work on. And you guys would talk about going to hotels and being able to set up wireless stuff and VPNing to your houses and stuff like that. And I've gotten a VPN router that says it sets up VPN, and it works for Windows. Good for Windows users, but I have not figured out how to get it to work on a Mac. Um, I'm just wondering, maybe one, is there a piece of software that I need to get? Uh, heck, if I could pay for it, even I'd, I'd do it. Or is there a Mac-friendly VPN server that works with the built-in VPN, something or other? Um, you guys can get back to me. Uh, the answer is yes, yes, and yes. There's all kinds of stuff available. Mac OS X, uh, and John, you, I mean, I've done some of this. Mm -hmm. you, you probably know a little bit more, but uh, Mac OS X out of the box supports PPTP or point-to-point -point tunneling protocol and IPsec yes. as protocols to connect to a v VPN. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what kind of router you've got there, Paul, but most, you know, home-level routers are going to, probably be pptp servers and if that's the case you just open up internet connect mm -hmm. and uh and go to the uh, vpn menu i think or the connect menu and there will yep. be uh, uh an option to create the vpn and it usually just works i mean you've got to have you, you've got to have credentials on the server you know so you've got to have previously set up yourself you know a username and password for yourself but otherwise it should just work yeah, and you have two choices. Uh, again, you say PPTP, which I think is something that a lot of the Microsoft products use, and then L2TP yep. over IPsec. Okay. So Thank level you. two tunneling protocol. So there are two very popular, and, and yeah, if you use, uh, as you mentioned, the Internet Connect utility within OS X, now, of course, you can connect no problem if you connect to somebody running Mac OS X server. Of course. Um, but then I guess we're kicking around right now some of the some of the options. Um right. Now, I came across one. What did you come across? Well, openvpn.net. Okay. Uh, I was poking around online, and I, I was looking for... Um, I didn't look in detail. It, I believe it is going to be a server, so that's something to look at. Though, though I think you, you were leading to that there are also a lot of... Depending on the routers, especially if you use some of the routers with, you know, like our favorite yeah. uh, firmware, DDWRT, which yep. uh, gives you all sorts of extra goodies... Uh, and I think you've you've done this more than I have, which is, uh, and I think one thing is is being able to tunnel in securely. Right. Uh, now, which do you use on this? Uh, or no, you do uh, what like SSH, I guess. No, so I I use uh, on the DDWRT. I just use PPTP, point to point tunneling protocol. Okay. It, it's okay. yeah, it's what I had set up years and years ago on a Linux box, and it it just I, I'm not my reasons for doing it aren't those of security so much as they are of getting a connection here when otherwise one might not exist. So uh, that's the, that's the trick. So, yeah. So uh, I'll explore open VPN a bit more. Okay. And, uh, if any listeners, of course, uh, you know, what do you use if you're not using Mac OS 10 server and the built-in right. Mac utility? Well, um, and I, and I'd I, like to know, well, I use Cisco personally because well, the workplace, right. I think it's a picks they have. So, so leading to your, your, your comment before that, most pieces of you know hardware from major vendors will have one of the uh, open protocols or a client. Yeah, you're right. Or their own custom client. Now, I know there's a piece of commercial software from Equinox called VPN Tracker. Mm. I've never had reason to use it, but I have heard great things about it. And it essentially 
takes the job of connecting. Remember, OS 10 is Unix under the hood. So just about anything is possible. Um, VPN tracker <laughs> makes it also easy. Uh, from what I understand, like I said, I, I have no pr firsthand experience with it, but, but from everyone that I've talked to about it, it, it takes this concept of connecting to non-standard VPNs and streamlines it in a, in a way that, you know, makes sense from, uh, from the user's standpoint, as opposed to, you know, the, the standpoint of us geeks here. So if, uh, perhaps for Paul, mm -hmm. that, that may be the solution. I believe it is a for pay solution, but, uh, it, you know, it, it, if you're just looking to get the problem solved, that might be the, uh, the fastest way to do it. Yeah, because I see here I'm looking at the, you know, Apple utility and for a uh, L2TP protocol connection, user authentication, password, RSA, secure ID, certificate, Kerberos, or crypto card. If you yeah. know what I just said, right. then you probably don't need this product. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you just, if you, if you glazed over, then it sounds like you could, uh, because yeah, the, I don't know, computers will never be totally easy to use, especially when you're talking, I mean, this is. Pretty Deep geeky stuff, stuff here. Yeah. This, this, uh, you know, VPN connections. Unless someone set you up, it, uh, you know, I mean, all all the pieces are known in the plumbing, but but it can get kind of squirrely sometimes. Oh yeah, it's gotten squirrely for me. The only reason I, I'm com and this is why you asked me, you know, wh what do I use? And the reason I continue to use PPTP is because it's what I started with, and even and that, <laughs> yeah, and right, and it works, and I understand it. And I was able to take my my chap secrets file, which is the password, the 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 uh, credentials file from my old Linux mm -hmm. machine, and paste it into the router here, uh, and 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 keep it. Now it's not an overly complex file, but it was nice to know that look, this works here. It should work here. There's no guesswork involved anymore because mm -hmm. it took a lot of hair pulling and trial and error. I had to recompile the kernel on my Linux machine years and years oh, ago gosh. to get it to support it. Yeah. yeah oh, well, that's crazy. nice, but but. It's cool that you had a, a, a chap file, that being Challenge Handshake Authentication Protocol. And the geek meter just the keeps collection. on getting pegged. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like a keychain of sorts. Yeah, um, that's exactly what it is, yeah. That's nice yeah. that you could transfer that over from an older installation yep. so you don't have to redo all that stuff, which yep. is annoying. Yeah, it, it, yeah. well, and, and error-prone, right? Because anytime you got to mm -hmm. retype something, who knows? So yep. moving on to Where something to next? a little more accessible, perhaps. <laughs> Hi, this is Michael from Scottsdale, Arizona. I have a quick question. I'm hoping you guys could help me out. I have a old G4 laptop computer, which my two-year-old son <clears throat> jumped on. So he actually ruined the disk drive. So in my haste one day, uh, I was going to shut down the system, and I got the spinning ball, so I just pressed the reset button and closed it up. So now... It won't load. I get everything loading up. It's running system 10.4, but it just gets to a spot where the spinning ball, after all the network connections and everything is going, and it just freezes. Now, I do have a iPod that has 60 gigs, so I have another computer that I actually can load Disk Warrior or Disk Repair on. But when I try to plug it into the uh, PowerBook, it doesn't recognize it. I tried holding down a C button to have it, you know, load from a different drive, but it won't do it. Is there any way that you guys know that I can actually have my computer or 
do this repair. Uh, my phone number. All right. Uh, so um, first issue here. Yeah. We got to do something about the three-year-old. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. No. Yeah. So to boil it down, I mean, essentially, this is a computer that has a non-working CD drive. The the reasons for which are are best left in John's hands. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually, no. Scratch that. No. Yeah, no. But the CD drive is damaged, but the hard drive sounds okay. Well, physically okay, but that's right. So yeah, the the idea here is right. We need to do disk repair on a drive that is unbootable. Now, the first thing you could do is boot up from uh, into a single user prompt, right, and try that because it might work. Who knows? It, it's possible. Uh, I would try something else. What would you try? I would try, perhaps, if it has a FireWire port, target disk mode. Because I think he mentioned he has another... Did, did, did he mention he has another computer? He does. He did, yeah. If he does, then target disk mode, perhaps. That's a good yes. idea. Yeah. Target disk mode being a mode, if you don't know about it, which is most portable Macs that have a FireWire port, and even desktop Macs, if when you boot the machine, you hold down T and the computer is connected to another computer, it will appear, your hard drive on that computer where you held down T, will appear as an external hard drive, which could be <clears throat> useful. That, yeah, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought about that. That's, uh... So uh, that's, why, that's why I'm here. That's why... <laughs> <laughs> so now if it's damaged, though, it may take a while for the other computer because I think it, especially if any computer sees another drive on the network that's you know obviously damaged i think it'll try to clean it up or fix it up a little bit that's actually a good point yeah it will it, it so yeah it may take a little while to mount absolutely uh so yeah so that i mean that that's one thing the the reason the ipod won't do it won't boot it is presumably you have a newer ipod that is usb based and the uh the older macs in fact any anything pre-intel will only boot from FireWire externally. It will not boot from uh, a, a USB device. I'd be really? at a hard drive or an iPod. Yeah, that's right. So you, Even you have... if you select it in startup disk? Absolutely, yep. Really? Okay. Really, really. I don't know that because I haven't touched an Intel Mac as of late. Right. That's bad. Because that's yeah. one thing I... Re yeah, that, that's... Okay. Huh. Yeah. I mean, Hopefully they fixed they it, that. you know, but, but, oh, they did. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, oh, it's early. fixed. I'm sorry. Early, early machine. Early. So for, yes. Uh, this is firmware right. Firmware OS update. Uh, it's the, yeah, it's the firmware and the Intel Max will allow it to boot from, mm -hmm. from USB. So, okay. yeah. So, so that's, that's the reason that won't work. Now, what you can do is, uh, Get yourself a, an external FireWire hard drive, or if you have one, uh, that would work, or target disk mode like John su suggested. If you don't have any of that for whatever reason, uh, Tech Tool, I'm uh, sorry, Micromat uh, has their, what, their Tech Tool Protege, which is essentially just a FireWire hard drive or a FireWire flash drive, maybe? Is that what it is? Is it? I think it's just a flash drive, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's, yeah, so it, it's, a, it's yeah. RAM. Yeah, it's I don't RAM. I think it's a yeah. little baby mechanical hard drive. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, that'd be magic. Um, so, no, yeah. Not so, quite. It's, I, I like to say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Afford me the luxury, because uh, because they'll complain. So I mean, I, I'm just looking for 20 minutes of luxury here. That's all. Uh, <laughs> um, 
So the Tech Tool Protege allows you to, it comes with Tech Tool loaded on it, but there's enough room to also put something like you mentioned, Disc Warrior or, you know, just any any of the above, Drive Genius. Uh, really, if I had to pick one, it, like Desert Island Disc Repair Utility, it'd be Disc Warrior. There's no question in my mind. It, it, it has been more reliable mm. for me over the years with OS X than anything else. So, Yeah, okay. the, I, so. I recognize the guy on their webpage. Do you now? Yeah. I, is that who is that? Oh, it's a doctor we know. I think. Oh, is it Doctor Bob? <laughs> it appeared that way. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, so that that's my desert island utility. That's what I would put on and and do put on anything that I have. If you happen to have an old FireWire iPod, you can get uh, what what the Tech Tool also makes another thing. It's called Pro to Go, I think, and it essentially it builds you a protege on your older FireWire iPod uh, or or your USB iPod, but with the caveat that it won't boot anything other than uh, an Intel Mac. So, but that's what you got to do. But really, I think he can start with single user mode because a lot of times you boot to single user mode, follow the instructions for FSCK. And if you were smart mm -hmm. enough to have previously installed Applejack, you can use that too. So, oh. uh, or yes, one closing thought. When you we, do John and I Mac, love troubleshooting, folks. So this is, you know, mm -hmm. this is our this is our thing. Well, so go also, ahead. if you're starting up a Mac, make sure you hold down Option because it, it runs a little thing in memory that will look out and find all the things that are possibly bootable. Eventually, it may take a while. A really and I've long actually while. done this on yeah. broken. Well, so, well, especially have if it thinks it should go to the network. Right. Right, um, and I've seen this, you know, as a little little tangent tip here. If you have a Mac where the startup disk is not set to be the hard drive, sometimes things get a little confused, and it will instead decide to hunt on the network for something bootable rather than going to. So make sure you explicitly select, if you can, <laughs> um, you know, the the hard drive in your computer is the boot drive, so you don't experience a, a slow startup. Good point. Good point. Uh, the option gives you that menu, and eventually it will show you all devices. I think the the problem is you can only use the keyboard. That's right. Move, uh, no, you can right use the mouse. Left. Are you thinking? Yeah, actually, yeah, absolutely. the ones, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm thinking back. Okay, moving on. Uh, yeah, where are we time-wise here? Yeah, we well, yeah, we're done. I oh. think so. Yeah, you know what? Actually, there's one thing I wanted to mention, and and then and then, we're, then we'll wrap it up. Uh. David wrote in, we were having a little conversation. He says, okay, here's my official Mac Geek Gab question. And unless you know the answer, John, this is a new geek challenge. Uh, mm -hmm. He says, I've worked with PCs for 20 years, but rec recently purchased my first Mac, an iMac 20-inch. The big adju biggest adjustment in day-to-day -day operation changes with the Mac is when you copy a folder from one drive to another and are prompted to replace the files on the target drive. In the Windows world, to copy several folders to one another, and then the resulting folder is just a total aggregate of the three original source folders with the, OS, uh, with the, the original source folder. Now, this is written a little weird. Uh, essentially, what he's trying to say is this. If you take one folder and copy it to another with OS X, if there's like-named files in there, uh, with OS X, if there's a like-named folder in there, with OS X, the folder on the destination drive gets completely replaced by the source. In Windows, the folder, the contents of the folder are replaced, but anything that was in there previously that's not on the source drive remains there. 
at so it's more of a merge, if you will, uh, a merge with overwrite capability uh, than it is a copy on the Windows side. And so he asked, what's the best way to do this on OS 10? Is there a way to make it merge instead of copy? Do you know the answer, John? Huh? Huh? Do you understand um, what I'm asking? That means yes. That means no. Oh, I see. Okay. I just wanted to make sure you understood because if we're if we're posing this as a geek challenge, I want to make sure I'm clear and and got a little derailed in the middle of that, in the middle of reading that email there. So, uh, but if geek you grok the concept, challenge the geek challenge. So there it is. Yeah. Uh, nah, we'll leave the reverb alone. Uh, no. You, you want me to do the reverb? All right, fine. Here we go. No. No, we're gonna do it. <laughs> the geek challenge. Challenge. Yeah. There we go. You, bet, you, okay. you okay now? Yeah. Let the band in. Oh, let's let the band in. If you see, if we let the band in then, it would have been really, really loud. So we just kind of got to fade them in a little bit. That's what the faders are for. That's why we need Soundflower, you see. And Audio Hijack and all of that good stuff. Now I understand. You understand the love now? It lets me use you're these the faders. Yeah. yeah. I like, you're, I like you're faders. You're the bringer of much wisdom. I, uh, I guess. Uh, <laughs> That's the goal. All right, two zero six 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 geek feedback three three five. Thank you. Uh, feedback at macgeekgab.com is the uh, preferred method of communication these days, just to keep everything as clean as we can. Mm -hmm. uh, next week, let's see. We got two weeks from now. We have what presumably will be our hundredth show. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we have the time to to uh, put together a whole lot of fanfare, but I've got a couple of ideas about what you and I could do. <laughs> no, you know, one thing, and it was actually suggested by one of you folks that, that John and I could do is is talk about our history of computing together. And uh, oh. and though and though that might touch on some some dangerous subjects, uh, we will we will reserve the right to protect the innocent. But, Statute uh, of limitations but, is over, man. <laughs> but no, talking about all the computers that we uh, that we had, and and maybe even you know how we met and and all that good stuff would be. It would certainly be interesting for for us and uh, someone, for someone. There you go. Yeah, for for anyone stalking us or researching us or I mean, perhaps trying to catch us. So we need to be careful. The wife and kids will listen, and my family will listen. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I I mean I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I've known John longer than I've known anyone else in my family, anyone else in my life except for my birth family. I, I mean, I, my uh -huh. my blood family. I've certainly known John longer than I've known my wife. So uh, we have a long and varied past. And uh, Cashfly Hosting is where you've downloaded this show. The podcast marketplace. This month includes the A5 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, Yojimbo from Barebone Software, one free download from Audible, and PDF Pen from Smile on My Mac. Backbeat Media Podcast Network is doing a fantastic job of keeping this show full. Uh, if you want to be on the show, that's who you talk to. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Portable Media Expo is uh, almost oh, right yeah. around the corner. It's like six months away. It's uh, at the end of September. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? That'll come up fast, man. WWDC is coming yeah. up. Uh, I oh, actually, I actually, big announcements. I actually bought things. my ticket today. I'm for the first time. I'm going to WWDC, so it should be uh, excellent. It should be fun. Yeah, you're gonna have to work. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Can't no, no, just no. schmooze and party and you know hang out. That's, no, that's you work. Gotta... You you've seemed to forget. <laughs> that's actually work. That's what keeps all this going, man. Is all of that? Yeah, that's what uh, that's what needs to happen. 
That's it. We're done, right? We're out of here? Yeah, 40-something minutes. We're good. Yeah. Do you have anything, uh, any any lasting words of wisdom to share, perhaps, John? Mm. Maybe maybe something. 206-666-GEEK. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Skype to MacGeekGab. We've got some cool stuff that we found that we'll uh, we'll tell you about next week. It's just no time. I got no time. What do you have, John? I don't. You don't have time. I I don't get caught. Made up. Do you think people get all the uh, Spinal Tap references and all that stuff that we uh, that we share? <laughs>